everybody, and welcome back to the Count to 10 podcast with your host, Bree Hall. I'm so excited to be back with you all today. Today, I have a very special guest and a very special topic, something that I feel that I rant about in private quite often, which is being first generation. So today, I'm going to be talking with my good friend and also one of the most talented and well-rounded women that I know, Bukola Ediason. Hey, girl. Hey, baby. Hi. <laughs> You're hyping me up so much. Like This is like an everyday thing. And just fun fact y'all Buki and I used to literally in college confuse so many people because we used to like fake be mean each other in public and people were like but y'all just had a sleepover what is going on like we don't understand and I'm like I know it was to get intel clearly yes <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so happy to have you today and just honored to call you a friend I wanted to start off by giving the people a little introduction to who you are because I know you do so many things and you do them all extremely well and the people just need to know if you don't know Buki today you need to know Period. Okay, so hello everybody. My name is Buki. Uh, my full name is Bukola Adioshun, but I am a model. I am a new actress. I am also a creative director, stylist. I am a clinical research manager. So I do oncology studies. I, you know, I'm also like a geek, I guess. Super sciencey. Um, but I also really love art. I couldn't pick, so I'm here doing a lot of things. So that's. I would say a good summary of who I am. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And and also, I feel like our listeners can relate after years of watching like my YouTube channel and how do you do a million things. And I'm like, no, there's a lot of people out there who have multiple interests and are killing it because people often say like, you have to pick a niche. And if you look at people like Buki, Buki is killing it in so many avenues and it's really about passion. So at this point in time, what got you into, I would say, modeling and acting? And then also tell us a little bit about your history in STEM. And how was balancing those two lives? Okay, so honestly, I would say I started modeling at UMBC. I think that's actually, that's we met at fashion show. So <laughs> let's even start there. And I was really new. I didn't even know how to walk in heels. So I was wearing wedges. I was a wedgie queen. Not the wedgie queen. <laughs> That, just take it all the way out. Um, but honestly, I look back and I cringe. But when it comes to art, when I was much younger, I used to draw a lot. I was good at painting. I made clothes when I was in middle school for when I was in boarding school for myself and my sister. So that part, I can't even explain because I just really loved that. And I think more of the sciencey aspect of my brain was like, I wanted to be a doctor to help people. And then I got into college and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I really liked science for organic chemistry. <laughs> But I think at a point, I was just like, what is my goal? I really wanted to make a difference in healthcare. I wanted to make healthcare accessible. I went on mission trips and when I was in college. And I realized, like, if I'm one doctor, I can't make that much change. I have to do something on a bigger level. And so I went to research. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should get a master's and go into public health and, like, make a difference in the world and, you know, be into policymaking. So at least if one policy is made, it'll help so many people. And here I am in research. Now I feel like the work I'm doing, any little change that we make actually helps millions of people. So I feel like I found my place without actually becoming what I thought I wanted to be as a doctor. I think I had to think, what do I want at the end and that's how I got here. I didn't think I was going to be able to make like a semi-career or anything out of my arts because my childhood, I just kind of knew science, you have to be a doctor, an engineer, a, a banker or lawyer 
to be able to have like some type of stability financially and have a life. So Oof, I felt that. Oh, my goodness. No, seriously, I feel like even with the topic of the episode being first generation, everything you said ties in just that backstory of being interested in the arts and having an interest in like humanity, but also well, arts and humanity, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and literally also realizing that it's like there's this familial pressure sometimes to pursue STEM, even if you have an interest in STEM. So you know, speaking of first generation, a lot of people identify first generation different ways. Some people identify it as uh, the first generation in their family to graduate college, um, the first generation to be born in America, the first generation to grow up in America, etc. So how would you define yourself in terms of first generation? I would say I'm the first generation to grow up in America, first generation to actually like go to college here. So it was different in the sense that some people are like oh you know I'm the first to um, go to college in my family my mom's a graduate my dad's a graduate they have masters but when it comes to this American lifestyle education system I knew nothing and they couldn't help me either I had to just figure it out and I think Mm -hmm. that's an obstacle that a lot of people don't really consider they just think oh well you know your parents went to college so you have no problems no no (laughs) I didn't even know that I was supposed to get internships in junior year until when I was about to graduate I was like wait what everyone came back from college from like summer break and they were like oh you know my internship and I'm like what the freak And like, I had this panic attack thing for like three weeks where I couldn't sleep. I kept waking up thinking I'm missing out on something. I know there's something else I'm supposed to be doing that my mates are doing, but I don't know what it is, but I have to figure it out. But then other people assume everybody knows it. So you don't really know what to ask. Crazy times. Girl, yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you actually brought this up because that is something people really don't talk about. Like even even in my case, my mom was the first person to move here, but I was the first person born in America in my family. And even that came with its own struggles because then you have the the age gap too, right? Where like, you know, my mom went to school in like the late 80s, early 90s. So everything's different. There was no common app. There was no like the FAFSA, all that stuff is different. So really first generation kids do have to have this sense of autonomy and kind of investigate things. And I don't know. Do you feel do you feel like you have this constant sense of being behind? (laughs) Yes. I started getting myself to journal to just realize, like, you can't know it all. Like, first of all, you're doing a great job. You're doing amazing. You have to realize that all these things are things that other people have the privilege to have. But because you don't have it doesn't mean that you have to keep living every single day of your life thinking, I'm behind. Something's up. There's something I'm supposed to be doing. There's like simple things. Now coming here where there's so many more things that some people like their parents are doctors. They understand the system. They know what to do. I didn't even know about FAFSA until after a friend was talking about how she was going to get scholarship. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like scholarship, right? Because I'm like, well, and then in the application, they were like, your parents tax return or tax information. My parents don't even, they're not here. They're not in this country. They live in another country where the tax is deducted from their salary before it even gets to them. So they don't have to file for taxes because, you know, my dad was in the military. So I'm thinking, what the heck? First of all, what is tax? Like, I don't even know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Then like as a child, like they just take it out of your salary. Mm -hmm. 
and my dad was in the army so we don't hear about these things nobody files taxes they just take it out of your salary so i'm here like first of all google how do i even know what they're asking me for you ask people and they're like well i just give them my parents taxes i don't know how you could do yours because you know your parents are not and i'm like well that's i'm already exempted so the first year i was trying to figure out how do i do this and then i figured out a way and i sent a letter and then they asked for my mom to send a letter saying you know, she doesn't file taxes because she lives in another country, but I'm a citizen and, you know, all of these things. That's so much additional work. Can I send you an email? <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, I was just trying everything because I'm like, this is an opportunity that I, and, you know, people assume, well, you're a citizen, you already have it. No, I couldn't because I didn't have tax information and I, you know, I was trying to figure out my life. And there are so many little things that people take for granted or I would say people have that, you know, as a first generation person, you don't have. And you don't even know that you're supposed to have. Or you don't even know that you don't have it, honestly. Like, oh my gosh, Buki, this is so relatable, especially if you touch on like finances portion of everything too. For example, like we were talking about FAFSA and, and scholarships, right? There's so much nuance around it. And I still was learning even through college. And, and I like that you pointed out that a lot of the things that first gen college students use are from word of mouth like word of mouth is so important when you are first generation because otherwise sometimes everything isn't a google search away like and sometimes also the thing i touched on is you have to know what you don't know in order to search for it <laughs> so if you don't know that you don't know something how am i supposed to search it thank you like i know i got in so much trouble this is part of the reason why a lot of people look at you know my channel when i say hey i paid off my loans or i didn't have loans for the rest of college that was actually a first generation issue a lot of people don't know that it's because i missed my fafsa deadline for a sophomore year because I didn't know you had to refile if nothing changed. Right? <laughs> I thought, I was like, okay, nothing salary-wise has changed for my mom or anything. I was like, hmm. So I was thinking you only had to go back into the system and, like, edit things if there was a major financial change in your family or something. So I was like, oh, okay, we're all good. And I thought that the allotment you got was, like, just renewed every year, similar to, like, a, a grant or something. No, guys. You... Anyone out there listening who's not yet in college or isn't, you have to reapply for your FAFSA every year if you want financial aid. Don't make the same mistakes that I made. Don't, because it's it's a major L. Like, how do you explain that to your parents who already assumed that you're going to, at least this amount of money is not going to be coming out of their pocket? Major L. Like, you would be, you'd be sick. No, seriously. And, and, it, and it puts you in just a really tough position. Like, I know I had to work a lot of jobs to make up for those loans I didn't get to take out, so... You know, it's also just your time. Like, so speaking to time, like we spoke about a lot of common misconceptions. What are some myths and misconceptions that you might think that people have about people who are first generation? A major misconception is that they assume that when you come from another country and your parents are like maybe wealthy or, you know, maybe they, you know, they're graduates. So people just kind of assume like, oh, well, I mean, you already know, like, you know, you guys have money so you can figure it out. Sometimes when you calculate that money and transfer it to dollars, it's nothing. Just know that. And then another thing is, as a first generation um, student or person, really, there's so many things that people are like, well, I mean, you know, you have all these your friends, you guys figure things out. If you're all the same, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you, you, you meet at, let's say, ASA, like African Student Association, mm -hmm. and we're all first generation or we all just came from Nigeria or Ghana or anywhere really to America for college. We're all figuring it out. So like if we're learning from each other's mistakes, 
it means there's so many more people that are 100 steps ahead of us because they don't have to make the mistakes. They already know. Some of them already have yeah. siblings that have already gone through it. They're like juniors and they're like, well, just do this, do that, do this. Or they would even help them. And I'm here like, I don't even know what it is I'm supposed to be doing besides what is on the form. <laughs> yes. I didn't even know so many things. And I, I think when I look back at it, I was a little hard on myself because mm. how was I supposed to know? Exactly. There was no other way. Let's not even talk about advisors. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Oh, my gosh. You think you're in a good space because, well, I talked to my advisor. They said this and this is all they said. So you assume they know it all. So whatever they've told mm -hmm. you. But then a mm -hmm. lot of them talk to you like someone who is in the system, understands the system. Yeah. All they did was just approve your classes. We speak about how word of mouth is so important. So if you could give two to three pieces of advice for um, anyone listening that is either in college, in grad school, or applying to college, because I know some of my audience does fit in that kind of high school range as well, what would you tell them that is something you learned as someone who's first generation? Your mental health. Because you're going you're gonna to start feeling like, oh, well, Oh, this is so much. This is this is a lot that I, I need to figure out. When you hear someone say something and you don't know what it is, you can ask them. If they're mean, rude, or weird, just write it down, Google it, ask somebody else. Just don't be hard on yourself, especially when you don't have the resources, like the information. You don't even know what to know to ask. Number two, just listen to this podcast, really, because there's information on FASFA, you know. And if you have any questions, you can DM either of us. Like, Absolutely. Make friends. When you're, especially if you're like African like me, you come here and you're thinking, I'm going to focus on school. I'm going to get my classes done. There's so many things that you learn while interacting with other people from mm -hmm. other spaces that you wouldn't really know until you make friends. These are conversations that nobody just has in like a bio orgo class or like, oh, you know, you learn so much more from people. I met Brie from Fashion Show, like literally. Actually, Buki, remember this. We met on the sidewalk. Oh, in front of the comments. In front of the comments. And I literally, y'all, like this is a prime example of like how meeting friends can be life-changing, right? Because I literally was walking down the sidewalk. I said, she's tall and pretty. Hi. We talked I for said, like an hour or something. Yes. <laughs> And I was I'll like, and it's funny because it's also like passing the torch. I highly advise if you're somebody who struggled a lot and then you learn things, pass the torch down when you see freshmen or, or transfer students or new people at the school and they look like, like what, like they're looking around or they're looking for a class or something. Yo, reach out and help people because I know my freshman year, somebody walked up to me in the comments and like gave me a fashion show flyer. And I was like, uh, I like, I was an athlete. So I was like, uh, I, and then I just took a leap of faith and I remember how much fun that environment was. So then as soon as me and Buki started talking, I was like, yo, she seems super nice. You were transferred in. And I was like, all right, I know how like kind of overwhelming school can be the first week. So I was like, you want to come to the Black Student Union really quick? They they have food. And, <laughs> and then you, you started talking about how you were doing DIY like. Um, lipsticks and you're talking about your art and I was like well, wow she's really cool like oh my god and I was like I used to draw before but I stopped because you know school yes. and you're like girl you better do what makes you happy and I was like you know what let me let me just go see about this fashion show and then here I am 
and there we were strutting by, by the by the by the time we both got over our uh, fear of walking and we we were able to discard our kitten heels we le- i learned a kitten heel is a heel under three inches y'all me and buki both was in the same boat coming in i said this is my only dress up heel <laughs> <laughs> and they were dusty but you know they were dusty we got cooked and honestly guys like making friends that are also either first generation or friends that know exactly what's going on are important because like thanks to Buki, there was a whole community center i didn't even know about on campus and it was this beautiful building full of resources and, and it was just new computer the shit and like okay Yes. So that's like a prime example. Making friends will give you an unlimited access to new information, a wealth of knowledge and resources, especially also like not in no creepy way, because I know some upperclassmen be trying to like seek out freshmen for the wrong reason. But if you can find an upperclassman that has good intentions, like definitely network with upperclassmen when you come into school because they know all the mistakes they made and you can learn from like what they wish they'd done. And that's something that was helpful. So speaking to that too, you know, bouncing back to like family as well, coming into this process, do you feel, and and this is a tough question, do you feel like you have a better life now than your parents? First off, I would say yes, in the sense that I have more opportunities and at the age that I'm at, like, I feel like I have so much more than they had when they were their age. But at the same time, culturally i feel like i'm starved like i don't like i'm losing some part of my culture like sometimes i when i try to speak my language to my mom i try to speak yoruba and my mom's like stop (laughs) just hold up girl it's a little rusty we need to get it together (laughs) and my mom's delta and she speaks yoruba very well but at the same time i'm just like i there's so many things that like culturally i feel like uh not so much but when it comes Mm -hmm. to access to healthcare, access to resources like the opportunity to work you know and do so many things because back then my mom's age i would say women didn't really work it was more of your push towards like get married you stop working you have children you take care of them when they finish you just find your way and you know start a business or something not really like Mm -hmm. career focused and i feel like where i'm at mentally i'm just like i want to have my own money i want to be a boss babe but when i meet a guy that you know is worth it I will definitely be a damsel in distress so that he can take care of me. <laughs> Get pamper bookie, you deserve. There's so much more that I have access to that they didn't. So I would say I'm definitely at an advantage. Mm, I feel that. I feel that. Like, And I feel like it's kind of a nuance, like you said, where it's categories of advantage and disadvantage, right? Like, for example, one of the things that I'm jealous of, my grandpa said we could go to Jamaica and he'll take me to all the mango trees because I was like, my mom grew up with a mango tree in her backyard and like lemon trees and all these different like tropical fruits. We had one too. We had a plantain tree in the back of our house. I am jealous. I am petitioning uh, for that part of my childhood to be resurrected. I need, I need a mango tree. But then I feel like the way things are, like... I have access to so many things, but I don't have access to, like, my cousins. You know, like, the family feel. Because everybody can, like, if you move, you're away from everybody else. So things happen. People get married. And sometimes you're not able to travel. You're not in the loop of a lot of things. And then even your friends, your childhood friends, like, my friends from secondary school, like, my besties and all of that stuff. Like, they got married and 
you know, I couldn't even be there because sometimes I had school, I had all these things or you can't just take time off of work because, you know, you want to go to another country and then your job is like, this is peak season for research. What are you talking about? You're trying to travel. But if you're in the same country, you can just go. It's a weekend. You come back home, you know. And during the pandemic, I lost my grandpa, which was really hard for me. I lost my godmother, which was my mom's, but I couldn't go to any of the funerals. I couldn't say goodbye. I didn't, I couldn't even like, you know, everything is kind of through Zoom and all of that stuff, but there's so much that you miss out on that nobody really talks about, I guess, because maybe they just see, well, you know, we're on the better end because we're here and we're going to school, we're making money. So you can't really complain, but sometimes you just miss home. You just miss the atmosphere, the people. That sense of connectedness as well. I love how you touched on like the family aspect. And again, my condolences. I, we've, we've had many conversations about this and just how trying it can be during times like this being kind of stuck in one place. And, and I feel like viewers and listeners can relate to this because this is a struggle that a lot of people that are first gen, but also, you know, people like me as well that moved away from home to live in a big city, right, are facing right now. And, it, and it's a really big, big transition in life as well and something that everyone's kind of working through. So what would you say has helped you strive towards connectedness, even though it is really, really tough at this time? I know you mentioned like Zooms. I know for me and you, like FaceTime has been really, really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Our long distance yes. friendship, girl. Yes. We literally, we'd be rapping y'all. Like we, we'll be on FaceTime for like three hours. Three hours. Yo, that's like the minimum. We've actually been on FaceTime. For me, I would say WhatsApp. I use like all these apps like WhatsApp, Reptel mm -hmm. to call people, check on them. Sometimes the network is not so great, but it's better and you can still see people. When I was in college, we didn't have WhatsApp. We had Skype and not everybody has Skype on their computer, just walking around connected yeah. to internet waiting for you to call them that's so true i forgot that whatsapp is actually newer because it's such an integrated part of like my life now that didn't happen we didn't have whatsapp when i was in college we didn't i mean yeah so i look back and i'm like you know what things are better because now i can see them you can talk to them you know often i talk to my cousins as much as i can and all of that stuff but you know sometimes you just want to hug people just you know say how are you eat together and stuff like that or visit them when they're not feeling too well or when, you know, they're having a bad day. What's, you know, little things. But you comfort yourself in knowing that, you know, you're doing all that you can. When you get to a place where, you know, you're in management or you're a director and you actually can work super virtually or travel whenever you want to take a two-month vacation and nobody's going to check you, do that. But at the meantime, you know, take your space, you know, do as much as you can, but don't overdo it so you don't actually lose out on your end. Yes. Setting boundaries is important. And one of the ways I communicated it to my family is just like, hey, guys, me not seeing you during certain times when it's risky is me uh, showing how much I love you because I value your life. I value your health. I was talking to Buki about uh, food and negative connotations around food that people are unfamiliar with. Like for me, for example, it was uh, tamarind, like Jamaican tamarind seeds and, and you know, I would get like the, the tamarind balls like they're literally brown and they look like like almost like beans in their shell but they're brown and um they're kind of ooey gooey when you take them out but I remember like growing up with kids used to be like is that doo-doo and I'm like ah oh. doo-doo no no please no just so they... embarrassed I remember like I'd bring them in a in a sandwich bag in my purse 
and I would hide and eat like the tamarind out of my purse like during lunch period I'd eat my other food but as like a dessert snack I'd have that so was there any like um, experiences that you've had around food in which someone you know made you feel a way about your culture's food I think my most recent before the pandemic was I made I had like rice with a side of like vegetable soup and I warmed in the microwave obviously you know the offices they have like a shared microwave and one of the front desk ladies came to my door and knocked on my office door and was like oh is that you uh the food smells a little funky are you sure and I'm just like no you did not try to disrespect my food because and it was fresh like so it's not like oh it went bad or it's old or it's rancid and I'm just like do you oh even know how it felt when I first came to this country and I smelled cheese? Do you know? Do you know what it even looked like to me? Cheese smells like a foot. <laughs> no, it smelled so bad to me. Like, I literally did not understand why people would just, like, voluntarily. Like, they're not tied down and, like, at the brink of death. Like, why would you eat cheese? And, it, I mean, now I do eat it, but not as much. But I was just like, you don't even, like, don't talk to me. Like, let's not do that. Let's not, Susan actually no let's not let's not I, I was really like irritated i called my work mom and she was like girl baby come upstairs come and eat your lunch upstairs don't mind these girls and she was like trying to defend me i'm like she's like you know she want me to talk to her i'm like no don't talk to her because you know sometimes these karens you just let them just just so that you don't look like the angry black woman so i was Oof, like you know let's I just that. let's not, that's another topic you know that one on its own and I was like, you know, let me just go because this is, I was so irritated. There's so many times where people are like, oh, what's that? And they're trying to almost poke at my food. I'm like, first of all, germs. Oh, the, the, it's like boundaries too. And just um, humanizing people or anybody or anything that is different from you. And also just the common decency of like, would you want someone sticking their finger in your food? Like, I think sometimes everything kind of glosses under the whole, oh, it's ignorance. Sometimes it's just common sense and, you know, decency. You shouldn't do that. Like, even if you want to ask questions, like, it's like saying, oh, well, I asked. It's like asking, can you touch my hair? That's the kind of question that is to, like, want to poke at my food and say, oh, so what's that? You can, I can tell yeah. you the name. You can Google it. You can do research. And y'all, Google and Reddit forums are free. Like, that... And it's, it's sometimes just as simple as before you, let's say you're about to approach a conversation with somebody and you're, you're like, hmm, I don't have a lot of experience speaking with people from this background or what have you, or you're just nervous about a question. Nervous about asking a certain question is probably your body's intuition saying that maybe I need to do a little bit more digging before I, or even is this appropriate question to ask at all? Like, so, and, and trust me, I love Reddit. Reddit will tell you about yourself. They'll be like, it'll be a hundred people roasting. Don't, do not ever say that to a black person. <laughs> <laughs> no, Reddit is literally another place that you can go and be like, okay, let me see if this is a weird question to ask somebody. Because mm. sometimes people wouldn't, because if you say, well, I wouldn't feel a, a type of way if somebody asked me, can they touch my hair? Because I don't think, but if you have not institution, you know, culturally or historically been objectified or treated mm -hmm. a little differently or a lot in some cases, you know, you wouldn't understand what that means to for someone to come at you and say, oh, hey, it's like you're, you're eating a cheeseburger. 0.0002% chance someone's going to come and poke at it and say, what's that? Everybody knows what a cheeseburger exactly. is. So you wouldn't understand what that is like. You wouldn't understand how having to explain your culture to somebody else. And sometimes it's not just having to explain it because explaining it is interesting. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I get happy. Like, oh, this is right. This is from my culture. But oftentimes the questions have a tinge of 
mm, what is that mm, sneak dissing it's like what that smell not oh that's different i don't know what that is you know it's a microaggression quite literally. thank you microaggression and it's it's stressful and i think that's one of the great grateful things that things i'm happy about for working from home i can eat whatever i want whenever i want Ooh. however i want let's talk about it y'all did y'all hear that boogie said that literally working from home has alleviated the anxiety of just being able to eat her own culture's food in peace and and that's like a, a massive thing i think asking from a standpoint of admiration okay so why are you asking about my culture no it's like girl yes i think it's this one i think it's that one but the way you ask you can tell from people's internet like how they say things their tones or their facial expressions you can tell because when someone has a mm-hmm. mm, what's this uh, like entitlement's another big issue as well that you'll even see even online where people are like well, pull the source for me or 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 educate me on this. Right. And it's just like educate yourself like it's not people's responsibility. Right. So that all oh, that even brings me to. So we've spoken about like the cultural things that happen with, um, you know, people that are outside of our cultures, maybe like white or, you know, even other people of color. Xenophobia can even exist from black people too like that's something a lot of people don't speak about like i know the kids that were calling my food doo-doo were like i went to predominantly black school and so that's something that i'm hoping for even with things like the fufu challenge and stuff like that yes. that happened on oh my god yeah i was embarrassed by people why would you even <laughs> post that like let's just say your immediate response was like this is disgusting you had a choice you had a choice because people say you know if you don't have anything nice to say shut up just don't say nothing. And and sometimes they don't. So it was very, very upsetting. There were some that were like, they made me so happy. People tried to like, yo, this is it. And somebody tried it and they were like, I don't like that one, but I like this one. And I'm like, okay, that's still better than that's someone human, saying, you know, that's disgusting. That's somebody's culture. Or that's- like mocking it and, and making fun of it or whatever. Like, and that's something that I really would encourage. Like, um, even though I grew up, in America, and I do consider myself like Black American as well. I did have, uh, you know, a Jamaican upbringing predominantly for like the first quarter of my life because I was raised by my grandparents, and that I did have ackee and selfish for, uh, you know, breakfast and everything growing up, and you know, I did have a big immersion in my culture. So I think that for Black Americans, that's something I would challenge anybody listening to do is really, really take time before you pass any judgment on other aspects of black culture that are part of any part of the diaspora or from the the source the blueprint okay like of all like uh, that that really that really was so embarrassing i was like yo like i'm embarrassed watching y'all say these things you guys have african heritage why are you doing exactly that's why it's embarrassing i was like you're literally insulting yourself and you don't even realize it and i know a lot of people might feel a way about that like i know there's a lot of people that are part of the diaspora that identify with like islands or or even south america or places they were taken to but i'm like at the end of the day at the end of the day i did one of them ancestry tests y'all it still comes back to the blueprints Buki was one of the first people i reached out to because i was like this is like you know there's always been a lot of mystery around my um background outside of just jamaica because i knew that like 
Jamaica was a place my family's been for generations, but it was not our, it's not the origin, it's not the blueprint of my family. So to see, I saw it was like most likely of Yoruba descent. I say, I knew he was my sister girl. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, Bookie, we, we cousins at this point. Yes, we are. Exactly. No, seriously, Bookie be living at my house too. But like, <laughs> that's, that's something we always joke about. Like, um, yeah, basically we're cousins at this point. Um, we are we are one from the same family tree. But in, in closing out the show too, there's something I really want to address because it's a big part of being first gen and that is mental health. I feel like there's a lot of stigmas about mental health and this is a generalization. I'd like to pre-pollude with that, but like being first generation, there's that idea and stigma that you don't really get to talk about mental health with your family. And mental health is kind of glossed over. So, Buki, I really wanted to get your like life experience around mental health growing up. And was this something you were able to openly express? Or do you feel that you do kind of have that experience as well of having to kind of suppress things growing up? I definitely would say I had to suppress a lot of things growing up. And I think it was just because culturally everybody was just like, there's a place for science and there's also the spiritual realm, which is very much real. But I think a lot of times when people go through things, it's just considered, oh, pray away, pray it away or, you know, read the scripture and you'll be fine. But sometimes you need a human being to talk to and, you know, rationalize things with you and say, OK, you know, this is normal. It's a panic attack or it's anxiety or you may be depressed or things like that but sometimes when people say such words it's almost like tab taboo like you can't say it like you're calling an evil spirit or something but sometimes you need to call a spade a spade and if somebody's going through something it's important for you to say okay you know this is what's going on it's okay or this is how you feel because you cannot dictate how somebody feels <laughs> if yeah. somebody's feeling a certain way you can't tell them how to feel or how they're supposed to feel or how you think they feel or how you know they feel audacity and i think that Growing up, it was just like, you know, you were happy, grateful, joyful. And on rare occasions, especially like maybe when everybody's sad from losing a family member or a loved one, then everyone's sad. But when it comes to like depression or sadness that you cannot explain or, you know, stress, like when I was going through college and I was feeling stressed and worried, my parents would pray with me. That's what they would do when even they were stressed. So it made sense. But I, I feel like most of our generation, like our generation now, we're more aware about mental health. People talk about anxiety. People talk about depression. People talk about um, having ADHD or, you know, being on the spectrum, which is very important because other people who may have similar things may just feel othered and they just feel like they're different or they're weird or they're not, you know, normal. And these things are normal. It's okay to have these things. And you just need to figure out how can you cope with these things when these things happen what are your steps to finding help or getting help? It's important. I feel like it's very, very important. There's so many people that we did not need to lose that we've lost because mental health is something that nobody talks about, you know? And yeah. considering the amount of stress that we go through as a people, it should be top priority every day. And we know that now there's more advocates for mental health, more people talking about it. I would say that from a first generation standpoint, when you make certain decisions that you at that moment you thought was right, Right. And you look back and you just want to beat yourself up and slap the shit out of yourself. Like, why? Why, why did I? Because, like, I just couldn't understand why I was so stupid or that's how I felt, you know. And I just realized, like, going forward, I'm like talking bad to yourself. Like if your friend does something bad like that to themselves or something happens to them, you're not going to say you're stupid. You're going to say it's going to get better. Talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love, like someone you care about. Ooh, yes. 
sometimes we think, oh, well, but that was so stupid of me. If you love somebody and you see them, they're in pain, like you're in pain, would you say that to them? So why would you see yourself and say, oh my God, like you were so dumb. Why would you do that? You're an idiot. No, you're not an idiot. You made a choice at that time. Now that you know better, you're doing better. What did Maya Angelou say? So when somebody shows you who they are, you believe them. But at that time, you thought they were somebody else and you believe them. You have to also be straight with yourself, but you don't have to be mean to yourself. You know, some people say, oh, it's bad luck. No, you don't have bad luck. You, it was just bad judgment and it was based on the information you had. Now that you know better, you mm. make a better decision. Going forward as a minority, like especially with me and my friendships, when I realized like, okay, I'm always there for my friends. I'm dependable. At least I think I am. Like, you know, I, I call them, you know, I check on them once in a while. And, and I think those things are important because they revolve around mental health. I'm not a soldier. Yeah. I, at first, I thought it was something to be glorified. I'm not doing that anymore. This is a life of ease. I want to age beautifully. I want to live long and happy, and I want my skin to be glowing. If somebody is in my life, because mental health and finding help is good, but if you are surrounding yourself with people who are toxic because it's comfortable or convenient, I'll advise you, <laughs> as someone who's gone through this nonsense, I would say, even if you feel like you're not strong enough to completely detach, slowly detach. If you talk to these people once a day, but you feel like, you know, they're the only friends you have because you're new here and you don't have family here and you miss home, it's very understandable. These are things that happen to people. Other people have their childhood friends that live down the street from them. You don't have that because all your friends are in a different time zone, a different space, you know, just do as much as you can, but always consciously separate yourself from people who make you feel like shit. People who make you feel less than even some people, they make you feel good about yourself, but at the times where you need them and they're never there or they make excuses or they beat you up when you're down, those are not your people. And when you start listening to podcasts like this, you know, you hear things, you're like, okay, this is a word, gaslighting, manipulation, you know, narcissism. Like you start understanding what it means. You understand that, okay, this happened. Some people do it. And sometimes we are gravitating towards these things because it feels like home. Not going to lie. Ooh, because period. If you grew up in a toxic environment, let's say it doesn't even have to be your parents. It could just be like family, friends, relative neighbors, and or even childhood friends where your trauma or some, they do something to you and they trivialize what they do to you and you think it's normal and it's okay because that's how friends are. And then you back down. You're and you back down and you don't speak up. You don't, you know, say your mind when something hurts. You just keep it inside and you're breaking and people just trample all around you, say mean things to you when you're down mm. because you think, well, that's all how it's always happened. Mm -hmm. That happened when I was six years old when I busted my, my teeth and my friends were laughing at me and all that stuff because people glamorize some of these toxic traits and say oh well if, you know if you're if you know if you fall and you bust your ass I, if i laugh at you it means i'm your best friend no no i gotta help you and then if you're not hurt and then it's kind of funny then we both laugh yeah, if it was some goofy <laughs> was stuff like okay let's say you just tripped i'll be like oh ha 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 but if you actually hurt yourself yeah absolutely not thank you bookie for sharing so many so many really good tips for like mental health but also friendships and relationships one thing that i've learned through the pandemic is that like people who really genuinely care about you are open to feedback and that's like a real real thing like if you say hey um this one thing that happened between us like really kind of hurt me a little bit or there's something you said that just it hurt my feelings what have you i feel like we can do a better job at communicating this way or whatever constructive criticism right and it's human nature like i do this i feel like most people do this where you feel 
a, a brief fleeting moment of defensiveness where it's just like, uh, but because uh, you know your intentions as a person might not have ever been to hurt anyone. But when you really care about someone, that moment is so brief. And then it translates into like, sometimes I said, yeah. And then actually sometimes I'll feel like so bad. I'll be like, oh my gosh, that was not my, I like, I'm going to fix it. Hold on. Like scrambling through my files. Like, let me pull all the information times I've done this Wait, Like, <laughs> and so I feel like healthy community will hear you, make you feel heard, make you feel seen. And, um, and in my experience, people that uh, weren't healthy for me at the time, and I'm not saying everybody has to agree with you, but I just feel like people that love you will also respect you. And there's an old saying that says, you know, when you've hurt someone, you can't tell them that they're not hurt. It's just not your place. And that's something that I firmly believe. Like if I tell someone that something hurt me and then they try to like either gaslight the situation and said that wasn't even da 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 or or just or just deflect then I'm like oh, okay this might not be something that I'm going to continue because it it's also a form of trust like um trusting that I used to walk around with a huge sense of anxiety that and I used to be a massive massive pe people pleaser because I was in a lot of friendships at the time and like relationships and things where I couldn't trust people to tell me how they were feeling you know, someone would get upset about something and just ghost me. And I would have no idea. Once I came into myself and that started with me openly and honestly communicating with people. If you're in my life right now, you don't have to worry about me being dishonest or withholding how I'm feeling. You know what I'm saying? I, I will tell you. I will tell you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? There is no confusion. <laughs> Nobody is con And if you confuse, hit me up. I'll still tell you. Like, <laughs> but anyways, this has been such a wonderful episode, Buki. And I'm just so happy to have had you. We got to get you on here, here again, honestly. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Honestly, I feel like I didn't realize how much I needed to get off my chest. Because first of all, all these questions, like my brain was like, yo, this was something that nobody, you know, knew. And, and you know, it helped me as well. Just being more aware that you know just because you're you feel like you're behind does not mean that you're doing it wrong doesn't because somebody once said the fastest way to go is slowly so when you figure it out don't rush don't freak out as much as you can learn learn don't beat yourself for things that you don't know or you didn't know you know so i'm very grateful for this platform that you have that you brought me on like i'm so grateful to be able to even be your friend because like you're such a great Aww. friend i'm very i'm very proud of you like you have done so much you, like hair beauty cosplay music first of all music um now the podcast like i'm so proud of you and so much more that you're doing so like i am so proud of you brie like the day we met like Looking from then till now, I actually have pictures of us when we went to BeautyCon in New York. Oh my gosh. Wow. Flashback. And and y'all, like, I just want to point out, notice how in the beginning of this episode, Buki said that I'm the hype woman. No, Buki's like the, one of the best hype women on the planet Earth. I haven't met everyone on Earth, but you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> so speaking of Instagram, Buki, shout out all your social media handles, where people can follow you, engage, how people can support you, and just anything you might have coming up. Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram at bu.kola. So my name, but just there's a dot after, you know, bu. So bu.kola um, is my Instagram. Same for Twitter. Um, projects I have coming up. Wow, huge ones. Mm -hmm. I just, I got my first gig, um, my first acting gig ever. 
um, with HBO Max for a show. I was so excited because I was like, first of all, me, little me, like I didn't even have, I don't have an agent. I mean, you know, I was just pressed. I was excited to just be there. And then I met, I met the star actor. You'll find out more when you check my Instagram. But, and I'm just so grateful to actually have done all these things. And I just got booked for a campaign for a sports magazine. I'm like, wow, I'm a sports brand. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing stuff. I'm I'm proud of myself. I have to start giving myself my flowers as well. But those are the things I have coming up. Um, follow me. Definitely send me a message. If you have any questions or if you're inspired, please reach out to me. I'm very grateful. And, you know, obviously follow my friend Bree. I mean, if you already don't follow her, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm confused. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Please follow y'all. Following is free and it helps us out a lot. Also, don't forget on the show to definitely leave your comments, your thoughts, your questions. And we will definitely take heed for upcoming episodes as well as let us know if you want to have Buki back on. I mean, I want to have her back. I want to be back. You guys, please love me. <laughs> but if you don't, it's okay. She said, please love me. Yeah, no, right, right. Because we're self-accepting in this side of the internet. Exactly. <laughs> But anyway, we always end each episode with, you know, our ritualistic 10 seconds of just mindfulness. You know, we talk about a lot of heavy stuff on this show. We talk about funny things and just to, you know, regulate, self-soothe and, and get back into our day in a comfortable way. So Bookie, down for a little, a little, a little mindful moment here on the oh, podcast? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. So as per usual, as we say here on the show, if you're driving, do not close your eyes. We need them on the road. Okay, sis? And everyone else listening, you know what I'm saying? But if you are in a comfortable place, definitely feel free to close your eyes, get comfortable, relax your shoulders, shake your hands out a little bit, you know, get all that tension out, uh, relax your knees, your, your, your toes, <laughs> everything. Do a little, oop, you, you heard my neck just crack, y'all? Do a little neck circle. See, this is why we need to do that, especially us that work on the computers. All right. And then we're going to do 10 seconds of just breathing in and out. Starting now. All right, breathe in and out. Breathe in and out. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Bree Hall for the Count to 10 podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. Now go fuck some shit up. Have a great day. Love y'all. And I hope you listen to the next episode. We're having them every Tuesday. All right. Peace out, everybody.